You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I don't know if in your prayer time, if there is a time in your week that you pray for your country or not. And if not, you need to get that incorporated into your prayer life. You need to pray for your president, you need to pray for his cabinet, and all those involved in Congress and Senate and representatives and the Supreme Court. I I mean, do you pray for those? Do you ever pray for them? I I think uh, largely what we tend to do, and I say we, um, we tend to complain more than we do something about it. We have the greatest thing that can ever be done uh, on earth for the things we'd like to see changes in, and that would be to pray for those things. So I really challenge you, pray for our country. Just pray that God would give his direction. Man, you guys, you guys read the news at all? Do you try to follow it? I mean, it's kind of hard to go home and turn on the fake news. There's hardly anything there to know, but you need to kind of keep an idea of what's going on in your country and know how to pray. Amazing things have been happening amazing things and I just have to say praise God for some of the major decisions that have been made in the last couple of weeks that have been strongly in favor of you know they would call it conservatism but I'm going to say Bible-based values because that's what it's really all about for Christianity has given us the liberty to live out what we believe this book teaches us to live out I thank God for that so uh, please pray for the country uh, that you live in and I believe it would be a something every Christian has a responsibility to do. I want you to turn, first of all, you can be getting into Joshua chapter 6, is where we'll be tonight, but I also want to read a couple of verses out of 2 Corinthians 10, and if you would be finding those two places. I'm just curious, did anybody... Anybody look around for the crickets? Did anybody look around for the crickets? You guys did? Did you find them? A cricket with ants on it? Okay. Good for the ants, I guess. Somebody found them, I'm hoping, because it's got kind of quiet up here, and I appreciate this morning was just a contest. It really was a contest. We're going to have a civil war up here after the service. I couldn't find out what, where those guys were. So we're, um, we're in 2 Corinthians 10 to start with. I want you to look uh, in verse 3. I'm going to read three verses there. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. You know what? These are such good verses. Why don't you read them out loud with me? Could you do that? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to, 3 to 5. Will you listen while you're reading them? Let your mind gather in what's being said while you're reading these verses. Beginning in verse 3, the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, 
and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, let, let me remind you what verse 5 said. Um, uh, end of verse 4 says, pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5 talks about um, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Remember, uh, strongholds and high things that Christians will be able to cast down. Then flip over, uh, back over to Joshua chapter 6. All right, Joshua chapter 6. We're going to come upon some high things here in, uh, in Joshua 6. <clears throat> and actually what I'd like to do, let me just pray and then I'll, we'll get into this portion of the message. Lord, would you please bless tonight in our, our message this evening. I'm asking for the grace and the power of God and the holy anointing from above that you'll open our eyes of understanding to the truths that could and should be applied to our lives, Lord. And I'm just thanking you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, as we get into chapter 6, um, I, we've talked about it. I preach messages from it semi-regularly, and you probably use them, teachers, in your Sunday school lessons and, and somewhat familiar with them. If somebody come up to me and said, uh, uh, we need somebody to fill in this class so we don't have a teacher, and I had two minutes to run down to the class, I would pull something like this out of the Bible. So easy. Uh, to see the spiritual truths and the power of God and just some real initial things that Christians can draw from. So in the book of Joshua, you've got the Israelites that have now crossed over the Jordan River and they've come up against the city of Jericho. Um, if you'll remember the city of Jericho, let me just read some of these details to you again. Um, was a major city in the area, was built upon a large mound of earth surrounded by an embankment with a stone retaining wall at its base. On top of this 12 to 15 foot high retaining wall was another mud brick wall that was, this is the big one, the six foot thick and about 25 feet tall. <clears throat> it was important enough, the city was, to have two separate walls. So at the crest of this embankment was another similarly sized wall whose base was about 45 feet above the ground level outside the retaining wall. Uh, so if you were standing in front of the retaining wall, it would appear to you that the wall was over 70 feet tall, just by the way things were situated there. And without a doubt, the wall was impossible for the Israelites to overcome on their own. Everybody got that. All those men who'd gone out and done reconnaissance and have looked around and, and tried to strategize, they know this is going to be a, a, a major obstacle like they have never faced before. We get that. We're all very familiar with that. Uh, so very impossible for the Israelites to overcome on their own. There needed to be some kind of intervention if this was going to happen. So the city and its several thousand occupants that are on the inside of Jericho, guys, they were prepared for a long siege. I mean, um, harvest was just ended. They probably, you know, I, I know Israel, if I, I told you last week, they, they sat and ate of the old corn, if you remember. And um, so the manna had ceased. Oh, by the way. I did tell you what the manna probably was, right? It's 
probably something like Snickers was my, was just, I said, was my guess. And somebody heard me making that comment and then uh, brings me in a whole bag of manna uh, this morning, a very biblical approach uh, to their pastor. And I now have that bag of uh, chocolate-covered manna in my, in my refrigerator in my office. And no, you can't come in my office tonight after the service. So, yeah, I, I know where I'm at. I have not gone so far away that I don't know where I'm at. So the harvest had just taken place. The manna had ceased for the children of Israel, and they ate the, uh, the old corn, the Bible said, the old grain of the, of the ground. And, and so Jericho had filled up their uh, stockpiles inside the city. And, I mean, if they had to, they, were gonna, they could live this thing out for months, if maybe, not, maybe not even years, possibly, uh, and to be able to, to survive Israel trying to attack them for that long. So, regardless of its mighty wall, here's what we do know. The city of Jericho fell around the year 1400 B.C. So, just a thought. If I would go back over, you don't need to turn back over to 2 Corinthians. But what we need to know and understand is, yes, God can bring physical walls down. That's very obvious. Uh, He's strong and mighty, and we can read the book of uh, Joshua, and as teachers and as moms and dads, we can look at our kids and, you know, kind of wave a finger in their face and say, this absolutely did happen. But let me tell you what those same teachers and parents have a hard time doing a lot of times. We will have a very difficult time in our Christian walk when we come upon something spiritual, It's a spiritual battle. It's great and it's mighty. It seems insurmountable to us. We don't know how it is going to happen. And we have such little confidence so many times knowing what God tore down in this chapter and then looking at our own life, like how's God going to be able to do something like that in my life? I mean, I know he does it for brick walls, but this is a spiritual battle. And how is something like this ever going to happen to or for me? Well, I'm going to tell you tonight God can tear down strongholds in your life. And if you'll be willing to be honest with your life tonight, I I believe every one of us have things in your life, big things, that you've not been able to get the victory over. It's a spiritual battle. You come face to face with it. You stand down at the base and look up. It's like one of those, it seems like it's over 70 feet tall. There's no way I'm going to be able to handle this. I've tried for years to get victory in my, in, in my life over this. I've wept bitter tears before God. This is just one of those things. I'm just going to have to step back and say, God, uh, I'll just accept. It's a stronghold in my life that I'll just never get the victory over. But I'm going to tell you, it's passages like this that need to cause us to get on our knees before God and help God help us to understand that it doesn't matter what the battle is that stands in front of you. It doesn't matter how tall it seems, how thick the walls might seem, uh, how long you've been battling this thing. Like, I'll never be able to get past this. You can have victory in any area of your life, or God is not God. Are you willing to admit that? Because I believe that's what these kind of passages are intended for. They are for our, the Bible says there are end samples or our examples to show us the might and the strength of God, the things that we're supposed to avoid doing and the things that we ought to copy doing in our Christian walk with God. So 
I want, to, I want us to notice, if we can, first of all, the captain's command that's given, and that's going to require us to read down through the first five verses. Will you follow along now uh, in verse 1? And here's what things looked like if you happen to be there at the time. Now, Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho. That would be a good phrase to underline if you're underliners. I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. He names everything that could be really scary to them and tells them, hey, it's already a done deal. Look in verse 3. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now, guys, if that was a message from God, you remember how Joshua had walked upon and he had met the captain of the Lord's host, and he said, I'm, I'm not down here to join sides with Israel or, or with Jericho. I, I'm, just, I'm from heaven, and I'm the captain of the host. And I'm going to give you directions and show you what you need to be doing. And he does. And these are directions for Israel to follow. If God was telling you, go on up to your battle, fight the battle in the manner that I'm going to tell you to fight it, and the victory is already yours, all you need to do is go out and fight the battle, that'd be an awful encouraging battle to go fight. The guys that went into World War I, had they had known words like that were given to them, I mean, just march into the battlefield, fight the battle, and, and you've won. Oh, that we could have heard that at the Vietnam War from God. This is a battle you can win, and you will win the battle, but they did not hear those words. And sadly, I believe America was at a crossroads in, in, uh, in our country at that time, and I believe largely it played into why we did so poorly there at Vietnam. But here, here we are uh, at uh, Jericho, and uh, I want you to first of all notice that it was an assuring command, something to uh, assure them and to encourage them about, you know, what's right in front of their eyes. So it was first of all an assuring command. He didn't tell them, uh, you know, fight and you just might win this one, maybe. No, he told them that Jericho was already given to them. It was up to them for the taking, whether or not you want to get involved in the battle or not. And that's pretty much the way it is in the Christian life. Guys, we come upon those big things in our life, those things that God calls strongholds, high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we bump into that thing and we keep hitting that thing uh, time and time again in the power of our own strength and in the power of our own flesh in an unsurrendered manner of speaking we're not fully committed to God we're half-hearted about some things and we keep hitting the wall and wondering why God never brings down the strongholds in in our life um, so there is no wall guys in the Christian life that is not already given to the Christian in victory really if God 
puts me on a battlefield and gives me a command uh, to go out and fight a certain battle, then it's very clear that the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against us. In other words, I can go up against that enemy, and they're not going to be able to withstand the might of God working through my life. And so God's given us some really precious promises. For instance, 2 Peter 1.3, if you listen to these uh, words here. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I love those words, hath given unto us, that is past tense. I already have whatever he's talking about. Hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So in my war bag, so to speak, are already the tools that already give me the victory for the battles I'm supposed to face. How many of us really believe that? I mean, God really does give us the tools to win the battles. And in our quest to be obedient to God, if in going forward to serve Him, we come upon enemy walls, we've got to remember God has already given us victory over the enemy and in our way, the the enemies that we're going to be facing. So first of all, we need to know and understand while we're heading out into the battlefield, you're going to come upon some really tough things, hard things, things that are strongholds in your life. And I have no doubt many of us here tonight are facing some of those very difficult hard things that you have no idea how you're going to get past what you need to be aware of is God has already somehow some way given you the victory for that so it was an assuring command and number two I'll call it an unusual command would you agree with me on that verses three down to verse five you know march around the city and shout and this wall is going to come tumbling down we've talked about this numerous times it was unusual I mean what military mastermind on earth would develop such a plan? I mean, you know what Napoleon would have said? You're about to meet your Waterloo. That's the kind of thing somebody like him would have, would have said. So the captain of the Lord's host gives directions how the city should be besieged. Here's how it's going to come down. We're not going to open up any trenches. Uh, no battering rams are going to be drawn up. We're not going to, you know, like we talked about last week, we're not going to erect these ladders that that climb and scale the walls. Uh, No real military preparations, guys, uh, because it's already all taken care of. God does not always follow conventional methods to fight our battles. By the way, if we can listen to that for just a minute, guys, the battle that you're trying to face, um, the world might be able to overcome certain things in their life a certain way, But in the Christian life, God does not fight battles through us the way the world fights battles. And if you've been trying to go at it the way the world, you know, some of your friends, some of your people at work or relatives, maybe that aren't, maybe not even saved, have been trying to give you some direction in life and it just just can't seem to break through these things, God may not be wanting to use conventional methods. His ways are not our ways. They're High, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways than, than our ways. And God, uh, God has a different design plan for us. Uh, he works in mysterious ways, we say, his wonders to perform. So God may have you on a path that seems really odd and strange to you, maybe even uh, weird in some ways, but you better not start leaning on your own understanding. Like, I've got to, I think I can get this figured out on my own. I'm just going to take life into my own hands, I am going to handle this 
Guys, you know we can do that. You know that we uh, kind of get a little weary of trying to just trust the Lord. And if I hear one more person quote Romans 8.28 to me, I'm going to get really mad at them. I'm tired of this. I'm going to handle this myself. I, I've heard people say things like that. But how's that working? I can tell you it's not going to work good. And when you decide that though God's ways may be odd and strange, um, people making fun of me, trying to live my life out the way I'm trying to live for God, and I know it looks odd and strange to them, it looks odd and strange to me. But one thing is clear, I'm not supposed to lean into my own understanding. Just all my ways I'm to acknowledge Him and He'll direct my paths. So grab hold of the hand of God again, guys, and, and get going again. Be obedient to God. Every wall in the Christian life comes down by first understanding the captain's command. Number two, the people's obedience. Now we're going to start in verse 6, and if you'll follow me along as we go down to verse 16. In verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. And let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's, of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them." And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the re-reward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, boy, this is going to be a hard one here, nor make any noise with your voice. We'd be in trouble, wouldn't we, he sighed. You can't even speak. You can't even whimper. You can't even make a comment. That'd be tough. So you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth till the day that I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city going about at once. They came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them. But the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. Are you gathering all this, guys? You kind of see in the order that's being given here. Verse 14, And the second day they compassed the city once, returned into the camp. So they did six days in the manner that we just read prior in all those verses. So in verse 15, And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner, seven times only on that day they compassed the city seven times somebody said that the city while it was really tall was not really uh all that uh the circumference of it wasn't that great some even said they could have possibly circled the city in 30 minutes now i, I don't know about that but that's some of their estimations that i have been studying and hearing so in verse 16 and it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. It's a great command. 
So the people's obedience. So notice, I don't know if you kind of envision yourself, if you kind of step back and, and those verses, 6 down to verse like 14 there, and all the, the arrangement of where the Ark of the Covenant was and where the priests were supposed to be situated, where the soldiers were supposed to be. But if you can imagine, hey, inside the city of Jericho and all the soldiers lined up around on the city walls and they're watching all of this take place and, uh, you know, fully armed. I mean, they're out there and I know they're going to come after us. And the Bible even told us they're scared to death of Israel. I mean, they're petrified of, of what's coming. But the arrangement that was there, please hear this, was to draw your attention to the ark or to the presence of God. Um, no doubt the Canaanites noticed the attention that was given to the ark and the Israelites noticed the attention that was supposed to be given to the ark. Once the wall came down, there could be no doubt in Israel's mind why such an unbelievable victory took place. God was with us. If there's any spies that were able to escape and, and run off away from the city of Jericho, um, they would have to be able to tell all the other kings of the land, guys, you just got to know and understand, and they'd probably butt in and say, yeah, Israel's this great and mighty army, and they're so strong and, and masterful with the bow and spear and so forth, and the spy would have to say, no, hush and listen, listen. <laughs> it really had nothing to do with those guys. It had everything to do with this box that they're carrying around, and they tell us that it's some kind of an ark, that their God's presence comes down over it. It's obviously everything to do with that. And if you guys want anything to do with uh, having victory over Israel, you better do something about that ark. Everybody know and understand that the devil knows what to attack in America to bring us down. Does everybody in America know and understand it's not the might of the soldier? It's not our, 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 the smart bombs that we have, and, and it's not the new tanks that have been developed. And I, I like reading about some of the stuff that America does and, and the, the new armament that we have and, and the ability that we would have if other countries tried to come in and attack us. I like reading that. I like how God has equipped us with the planes and so forth. That's, that's a blessing to hear. But you can have all of those things and just give me a stick to fight with against an entire country as long as I know God is the one going out with me. How many of you know and understand Satan knows what needs to be attacked in America? The devil knows that if attention is given to the Word of God, that country is going to be a strong country. That country is going to be one that will stand tall and strong and when enemies rise up against them and, and when they covertly try to come into our nation and, and uh, uh, to take us out, something seems to keep these guys safe and keep them standing tall and strong. Well, we know what that something is. God has always wanted us to keep our focus and our attention on the Word of God. And when uh, the enemy can get us to get our focus off of the Word of God, then the God of the Word takes his focus off of us, and we're out there trying to fight the battle on our own. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. God tried to tell us that. Uh, we are mighty through God to the pulling down of those strongholds we read in those verses in, in Corinthians. The only way we're going to be able to win our battles is if we keep our focus on that ark and now it is today it is the word of God that we have in our hearts wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word that's how a man will stand tall and strong for God take a 
full, uh, pay full attention to God's word. So a marriage, I'm just, I'm just pulling this out of the air. A marriage, let's say, struggles. And the devil knows, what can I do to finish this marriage off? Get that couple to stop looking into and at the word of God. Uh, uh, a young man is, is uh, shifting in his walk with God and, and he's about to tumble into the things of the world and the devil thinks, I've almost got him in this arm wrestling contest. I've almost got him pinned. If I can just get that Bible completely out of his life, I've got that young man. He knows that. How can the devil take your family down? Get you away from the Word of God. Get you to stop reading the Bible. Only time you... Uh, pick up a Bible is when the pastor says in the church service, open your Bibles too. So God wanted them to know and understand that my focus is on that, I'll call it that box, that, that Ark of the Covenant where my presence abides. And I want them to know that full attention. Psalm twenty-one thirteen says, be thou exalted Lord in thine own strength. So will we sing and praise thy power. And that is what God wants. Seeing the power and the praise of God. So we've got to be an obedient people to the word of God. We have no other commander but him. And we must believe in his word. Give full attention to God and his word. Can I just ask you as your pastor tonight, how's your Bible reading doing on a personal level? Have you read your Bible this week? Just you and God. Have you been struggling with that? And if you struggle with that, I can promise you, you're going to struggle in your life. You're going to struggle at work. You're going to have trouble, guys. You're going to have trouble with things that you allow running through your mind. Um, ladies, those heart issues that you struggle and, and try to get victory over, you're not going to have the victory if the Word of God is not, you know, preeminent in your heart. Notice the silence of the soldiers. You look back down there into verse, go back to verse 10. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth till the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. Be quiet. Does anybody have Psalm 46.10 kind of memorized? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, God says. I will be exalted in the earth. This was to be a work of God and a work of His Word. Six times around a 70-foot high wall gives you a lot of time to think. Don't say a word. Can't talk to your neighbor. I don't want you guys talking and communing. Just walk and do as I have commanded you. I mean, that's a long time to say nothing and to just think. No talking, no sharing opinions, no joking around, no thinking about, uh, you know, the things that, you know, you want to you know, be in discussion about tonight when we get home. All you have to do is to be able to stop and think about who knows what might have been going through their hearts and minds. Maybe the conversation about what it was like when their forefathers had gone between the walls of water that God had parted. 
and now just recent memory of how the Jordan River backed up by the hand of God and let Israel walk across a, a riverbed, a flooded riverbed, which we would be somewhat familiar with today about flooding riverbeds. And, and God had dried all that up. And, and while they're marching around that city, especially on that last day, seven times, can you imagine total silence, not a word? Can you imagine the thoughts that God was allowed to place into their heart and into their minds? You know, people do not like, are you listening to me? People do not like to have silence. They get, they get into, they, they go home, they get into the bedroom, boom, music is on, which, good music, nothing wrong with good music that strengthens the heart with the Lord. Uh, get in the car, I mean, you get on your way home if you're alone, uh, boom, the radio is on, got to listen to something. And uh, just silence is not a good thing for some people. Sometimes that's because you're left with you and your thoughts. And you don't like where those go. Sometimes you're fearful and you have anxieties and things are not real stable in your life. And if I can have something to distract me, then I feel, I feel better. I, I've got things shoved out. I don't have to think about reality but God wants you to think about reality. God wants you to be able to have just some quiet times with Him while I'm off on the battlefield, while I'm trying to serve the Lord. I think the word would be called meditate. To meditate on the things of God and let God speak to your heart. Let Him put thoughts into your heart and mind and give you a sense of direction. But then did you notice at the end in verse 16, look down there in verse 16, and it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. So, you reach a place in your battles with the enemy, where those walls, where you realize in your mind that I, finally, it comes, it clicks in your heart and your mind, I am victorious, and I just need to move forward in victory. And guys, once that finally strikes your heart and your mind, and you realize, I really do have the victory in this. With me holding on the hand of God, God's going to walk me through this. And when the reality of that strikes you and you sense the walls begin to tumble down, when's the last time you just raised a hand to heaven and said, God, you're such a great God. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Is that uncommon for you to do? I, I'll just be honest. It's, it's, it's unnatural for me to do. I, I just don't go around doing that. And even when I'm in my devotion times, now it's a little easier out on the trail now when I know there's nobody around, but I, I find myself being able to raise my hand and just shout and praise the Lord for how good God has been to me. God's waiting to hear the shout where he recognizes and realizes that you get it, that the victory is yours and that I can move on in this uh, portion of my life and I'm going to have the victory that I so need in this area of my life. Now, quickly, I want you to notice, um, uh, lastly here tonight, the people's restrictions. Look in verse 17, if you will. Everybody there? In verse 17. He told them, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Um, and ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. 
but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron, listen to the words here, they're consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So uh, the restrictions concerning the spoils, and God gave several restrictions. Jericho was the, uh, here's what we need to remember and understand. I've preached and taught this before, but Jericho was the first fruits of walking into Canaan. There are many other areas and other cities that they would fight and win the battles with, um, but Jericho was the first one making it the first fruits. So in the Bible, it's very clear that all the first fruits belong to God. Exodus 34, 26. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring unto the house of the Lord thy God. That's one of God's commands concerning the first fruits. And to God, here was Jericho, the first fruits, and all the gold and the silver of this first place are going to go into the treasury of God. After this, uh, all the other battles you fight, the, the spoils can be all yours, but make sure of the first fruits, they all belong to me. Everybody got that? They're like, yeah, we get it. No problem. We will, we will follow that because the first fruits were a type of the tithe. Again, later on, they're allowed to keep all of that. So the tithe is the same thing, I believe, today is uh, bring of my first fruits to the Lord and, uh, and then everything else God can bless us with and use that in abundant fashion in our life. So you've got a restriction concerning the gold and the silver. Then you've got a restriction concerning Rahab. Do you remember that in verse 20? Would you follow along with me there? So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. It came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass, and with, um, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. She crammed them in that house, buddy. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. You guys, now you get on back out of the picture here and we've got a, a battle we need to fight. So in verse 24... And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelled in Israel even unto this day, up unto the time of this writing anyway, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So there was a restriction also concerning Rahab. Just one more reminder that God keeps his word and his promises. And they go tearing into that city with the walls flattened down and somehow were able to spy out the same place where that uh, red cord was hanging from the window. Ran in, got Rahab and all of her household. Took, took them out, set them off to the side, went in and finished off um, the rest of the battle. God is still willing to save a people out of this old world that we battle in, even someone like a harlot, like Rahab. Praise God for that. One last restriction, and we're done. And this restriction was concerning Jericho. Look in verses 26 and 27. 
<clears throat> and Joshua adjured them. He gave them very strict orders at that time, saying, now listen to this, interesting. Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho. So let's imagine somebody tries to do that. God says, um, he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. So the restriction concerning Jericho. Let me read you a verse out of 1 Kings 16.34. Just listen, please. In his days did Hiel the Bethelite build Jericho, which they were commanded not to do, but he did. And notice what happened. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram his firstborn and set up the gates thereof and his youngest son Segub according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Joshua the son of Nun. Each one of those sons were slain all the way through the building of that process, the building process. It's like God gave them a command, I don't want you going back and building Jericho. This, is a, this was a wicked city. This was a city that represented all the, the ugliness that I saw in them, the, the reason I wanted the city wiped out in the first place, and I don't need a, a wicked city like that being raised up again. So in every victorious battle, there are restrictions that we need to be willing to follow. And guys, if God gives a victory in your life, don't go back and rebuild that accursed city. God help us when we get victory over something in our life, uh, the alcoholic that God gives victory over the alcohol. Please don't go back and rebuild that city. Uh, if, if God gives you a victory over some uh, stronghold in your life, something, the battle of your mind and some places you used to attend and go to or actions or habits that used to be a part of your life, God is very clear. Don't go back and rebuild the Jerichos. It'll be your downfall. Leave the wicked things out of your life. And if you somehow think that you have it in you to be strong enough to be able to go against the command of God, then friend, you're going to find out it'll destroy major parts of your life. This uh, Heil, uh, it, was, it was a horrible thing for him to have to experience the children that were slain as a result of being disobedient to the word of God. So praise God, the walls came down when first of all they heard the command of God, they obeyed his word, and they heeded the restrictions. Sometimes that's just the hardest thing in the world for some Christians to do. Hear what God says, obey his command, you know, follow the word of God, and then don't do the things I've told you not to do. It's really a very simple process to follow, and I really do believe that uh, the Jerichos that are in our lives tonight can be one. The strongholds, those high things in our lives that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, you can have victory over those things tonight if we're just willing to follow some very basic, simple commands from the Lord. Are you willing to let him? Are you willing to look into your own life and look and see, am I giving the attention to the word of God that God has encouraged me to do? Or have I taken my focus off the word of God? When the word of God was what was the focus, marching around the city, that's when Jericho fell. That's when Israel had the victory. The minute they got their eyes off the word of God, total defeat came into their life. So just a little inventory tonight to look into your heart this evening and answer the question, where is my walk with the Word of God tonight? And let's go ahead and bow together in prayer, if we would.
We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.